As firm believers in the scriptures, we do well to ignore some of the health advice we get from the various sources supposedly dedicated to ensuring a healthy diet. Recently, the British government has made public a statement that it now considers that the report made which is supposed to show that butter is bad for the health of the individual was flawed. This being their own word. If we had followed our Bibles instead of these engineered reports, we should have learned from Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. If butter and honey were good to sustain Jesus, born of a virgin, then it is surely good enough for us. And for that reason, we personally have for some long time now been using only butter at home. Similarly, Statements now emanating from several sources cast doubts upon the recommendation to reduce the amount of red meats that we eat on a regular basis. If such previous advice were true, why was red meat forming the major part of the diet of the priest as defined in the Old Testament? In Leviticus 7 verse 9 we read, And all the meat offering that is bacon in the oven, and all that is dressed in the frying pan, and in the pan shall be the priests that offereth it. And every meat offering, mingled with oil and dry, shall all the sons of Aaron have, one as much as another. These offering were usually a ram without blemish out of the flock. If God decreed that such should be the staple diet of the priests, can we not consider it wise to follow the same? Recent studies have shown that fats in the red meat may not be so bad for our hearts after all. I also quote from a recent study by the European Prospective Investigation into Cancer and Nutrition, which has found more or less the opposite to the World Health Organization conclusions, that those with the lowest mortality rates are people who regularly eat red meat. So the priests under the Mosaic Law were well provided for both naturally and medically. Now, you may be well wondering why we should start off our exhortation with medical advice. Well, as you are well aware, manufacturers of meat products have been forced to reduce the salt content in the meats they supply to the market, resulting generally in the loss of flavour in the product. And yet we read today from Matthew's Gospel, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. And going back to the Mosaic law, we read in Leviticus 2 verse 13, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. So the offerings by the people of Israel under the law of God were specifically ordered to contain salt. Once again, as we saw with trespass offerings, these were then to provide the daily sustenance for the priests. Having in mind what we said earlier, it is no surprise to us to read that the supposed fact that salt is injurious to good health is another flawed report. This report being described as now rightfully falling apart at the seams. 
And the New York Times, which often embraces establishment agendas, published an article in 2011 exposing the salt-is-bad myth as junk science in need of major reform. The piece explains that a cohort of published research supports the notion that salt is actually beneficial to one's health. And another study, published the same year in the International Journal of Medicine, came to similar conclusions, noting that low-salt diets recommended by federal government can actually be harmful. So, despite that advice given by the government, we read in the scriptures, salt is good. Said Jesus, recorded in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, and then he added, But if the salt have lost his saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Salt is a natural preservative. And during the war, we used to bed down the crop of runner beans in salt to keep them from rotting away. So also is it for us that our preaching must be salted, in other words, in such a form to preserve the truth from corruption. Here then is the lesson for us, to follow the advice of the scriptures and enjoy also the natural healthy benefit thereby. Another verse that is similar to this statement is recorded in our reading today from Matthew's Gospel, but with an important scriptural additive in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Yes, we are able to enhance people's view of life and show them the path that leads to a better life. Thus Jesus continued, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Here is priority number one. Those around us need to see the light that we have from God's word. It isn't essential that where numbers or isn't it essential that where numbers are limited, we proclaim the truth by lectures and outdoor speaking and personal witness. We don't need a platform to spread the word. We can do so by adverts or displaying leaflets in our own homes. There are other ways in which we can show forth the light of truth. Our first responsibility is without doubt towards each other. Thus our Lord continued in this chapter, in verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let us note carefully what Jesus said. It gives light to those who are in the house. Certainly this is an equal responsibility to our duties towards those outside, if not an even greater responsibility. Building up the church of God is a formidable task these days when we are constantly being bombarded by those who know not God and which will suffer the judgment of the Lord, as we read in the second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 8, where the apostle speaks of flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been suggested by some that lectures and other forms of advertising the truth is not an effective way of introducing the truth anymore. But never let this discourage our efforts to preach forth the word of the Lord in whatever form we may choose. 
The instructions given by the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, are applicable to every age in this history of the true Christian church. We find it in his second epistle, chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. There is no out of season as far as our duties to spread forth the word of life are concerned. So going back once more to our reading from Matthew's Gospel, we read on into verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our daily lives must reflect our belief in the overriding power of the word of truth which we strive to follow. There are what we may think are little things in our lives that can reinforce the message that we are trying to convey. Although not subject to the law of Moses, nevertheless, the setting aside of Sunday for the things of the truth are an important declaration of our beliefs. We don't put out the washing or start on the gardening and we leave home regularly about the same time with our Bible cases in our hands, appropriately dressed for the occasion. All these little things are ways that we show forth our dedication to the truth of God amongst an unenlightened neighbourhood. The Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That has to be our guiding principle in life, to show that we are not of those who are part of the darkness of the world. The Apostle then continues, verse 11, concerning our daily way of life. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. In this promiscuous world, we should be noticed as those who follow a more dedicated life, centred on the advice of the word of our God and his Son, Jesus the Christ. We are aliens who honour the law of the land as a duty, but more importantly, honour the law of God as a primary responsibility. We withhold ourselves from what were described as the flesh pots of Egypt, by the disgruntled wilderness wanderers in such a way that is noticeable by those who live around us. We may sometimes despair at the lack of response to our endeavours to preach the word. Then let us not give up in despair, but note what the apostle has to say in the next verse of his apostle. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now here is an important message for us. Much of what we may try to do to show forth the word of life by our daily lives, our good works, speak forth eloquently of our endeavouring to walk according to the word. They're noticed, even though they bring no immediate response. But let us see what else the Apostle Peter has to offer us. They shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
our best endeavours will not then have been seen to be fruitless when they remember the words that we spoke and the lives that we led, as a result of which they will readily accept the risen Lord as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Our work will not have been in vain when we behold our Lord with almighty power in his hands and when they bow their heads in submission to his rule. So let us then, with even greater urgency, follow the words of the sweet psalmist of Israel when he writes in Psalm 79, verse 92, So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night.